Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, kids. I'm Harley R. Padgett. And I'm Emily Fear. And we host the PW Torch Daily Cast, Talking Honor. Join us and our team of correspondents every Wednesday as we discuss the week in Ring of Honor, including ROH TV, Honor Club events, breaking news, and listener mail. Plus, exclusive interviews with top ROH stars like Jeff Cobb, Kelly Klein, Tracy Williams, and Beer City Bruiser. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to subscribe. Or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. That turned out okay, I think. Yeah, that was good. Want to try the cowboy version now? Sure. Howdy, y'all. My name's... Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans for the week of Monday, August 19th, 2019. As always, I am your host, Robert Vallejos, and I'm joined this week by my regularly scheduled tag team partner, Rick Monty. Rick, how are you doing today? It's going pretty good. Uh, had a good time watching the pay-per-view last night, and I have to compliment you on your show last week with Zach breaking down summer slime and then of course me joining you for the predictions i was unaware of our feud that we had between me and zach hadorn but i'm more than willing to keep it going okay so this is how it's going to work then you're going to have to make like a some kind of passive aggressive comment towards him um mm-hmm. on this show and then when he's on one of the other shows he's on or maybe on his vip show you know he uh he talks about his distaste for alaskans or something and it just it builds and builds and builds until we have a big summit where i bring sure. you guys together and i'm the peacemaker it, it's the battle of the nice extrovert versus the uh, pa- patronizing and somewhat depressive introvert Alaskan. So it'll be good. I like I like how uh, self-aware you are, Rick. It's, uh, it's refreshing. I've been told I've been almost too condescending at work recently. So I'm very aware of my uh, my attitude. And Zach is just a you know, a ball of positivity. He just gets all these things done and he's super active and you have to drag me out of the drenches just to be able to do like 45 minutes of a co-hosting. So more power to you and Robert. You guys are the ones who are out there working hard, trying to get the guys like me out of the slums. And now that Rick just broke down the fourth wall of the production side of things, I want to invite you guys to get in on the conversation. Go ahead and send us an email, MMALivecast at gmail.com, M-M-A-L-I-V-E-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. You can be as passive-aggressive or, you know, ironic, whatever you want to be on that email address, and we'll even make Rick read them, so we'll come full circle on this whole thing. Catch up with us on social media as well. Find us on Twitter, at MMATorch, that's at M-M-A-T-O-R-C-H, and over on Facebook, facebook.com slash fans. Okay, Rick. Let's get into what we're here to talk about, what was anticipated for a while, and now it finally happened. Last night, as we're recording this on Sunday, UFC 241 from the Honda Center in Anaheim, California. Real quickly, Rick, let's put you on the spot. What grade do you give to this card? I would say this is solid B plus A minus. I thought this was a really good card. Yeah, there was a lot of decisions. Even on the main card, it started a little slow, but 
all in all, as far as title implications, just newsworthy events and everything, it was exciting. And just full disclosure, I ended up watching it at a bar, even though last week I said this is an order at home pay-per-view. I went out and hung out with all the douchebags in the public, but I ended up having a lot of fun with the douchebags. It was a good time. And when I say douchebags, I'm not talking about my immediate friends. I just mean everybody surrounding us. This bar was packed. There was a vibe to this, especially during the Diaz-Pettis fight and Yo Romero uh, the Yo Romero fight just had so much energy in this crowd. So I had a really good time. And I think that if I would just watched it at home with me and a couple friends, it would have had the same impact. So I think context is everything when you're grading shows, like if you're there live or if, what, how you're viewing it. It really seemed to resonate with California, this card, in a yeah. lot of ways. I felt like it was a good um, – they put the right people on the card for that audience you know, in Anaheim, not super, super far from from where you're at, Rick. And even on my couch in my house in New Mexico, I thought it was a very, very good card. I would give it – I would say B+, plus just because if I'm taking the card as a whole. I think the prelims and the uh, early prelims were god-awful. That, that, right. It was just it was a slog till the very last fight between two relative unknowns in the main event of the ESPN portion kind of woke everybody up. Uh, and there was another good fight on, on the prelims as well. But the main card outside of, of uh, the opener and the opener actually wasn't bad either. It was just, you know, uh, it, it had its moments of, uh, of, a, of a little being a little bit pedestrian. But those final four fights um, were amazing across the board and definitely. One of those ones, if you're watching it in a bar setting, if you're watching it maybe with a pro wrestling fan, this is a good card to to showcase what MMA is. And you talked about even on the main card, you had uh, fights going to decision, but they were um, two amazing fights that went to decision. Like it doesn't always decision doesn't always equate to boring. And I think this card explicated that very very well. Let's get right into it though, Rick. Let's talk about the main event, and it's a a bit of a shocker, I would say. Even though I picked the the correct winner, but mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. that's beside the point. You have mm. the newly crowned heavyweight champion once again, Stephen Miocic, defeating Daniel Cormier TKO due to punches at four oh nine of the fourth round. Really interesting fight because it really felt like Daniel Cormier was rather dominant throughout this fight. Throughout the first three and a half rounds, he was really controlling the fight. I think you know some people, and, and I understand why, gave the the third to to Stipe, but. This was really, it looked like if this thing was going to last the, the whole five rounds, Cormier was going to get a pretty impressive decision here. Had a very unique uh, offense in this fight. Parts of it looked like he was replicating their first fight from over a year ago. And other parts of it, it was kind of weird because he was literally like um, just putting his hands out where he would be at range and teeing off on Stipe with absolutely no defense of his own. He was just going to take punches. He was willing to take some to give some, but ultimately that led to his undoing. He had some great body punches by Stipe, and this was all fought with the hands for a lot of this fight. Yes, there was one slam situation and, and some moments on the ground, but this was mostly fought with the hands, not a lot of kicks, not a lot of all that stuff that you do see in modern MMA. This was two really big dudes punching each other for the majority of the fight, and once he got, once he, Stipe got Corbier hurt, he kind of started to crumble, went down, gets the TKO after the fight, Cormier doesn't, you know, declare retirement. Says he's got to discuss this, of course, with his family and uh, figure things out. You have Stipe. A lot of options for Stipe going forward. We'll talk about that in a second. Overall, Rick, though, what was your assessment of this fight? It was a good fight. It was a really good fight. I think it was a nice part two to the first fight, where in the first fight they were getting some back and forth in there, but it was really a surprise how DC had won. And so in this one, it was more of a feeling out process at full speed though. Like you said, there was a slam, but there's a lot of back and forth punching and it was kind of, I wouldn't say rock and sock em, but it was as elite of a rock and sock em as you can get in the heavyweight division, you know, and I thought that Stipe made an educated adjustment and was able to just get to those body shots on Daniel Cormier and open it up to where he could get the combination and finish the fight. I thought it was incredible cornering if that was something that one of his trainers told him or it was just incredible insight on Ducey's part. But it was a really enjoyable main event. And the fact that there was a finish to it kind of added to the excitement level. I was cheering for DC, but with Stipe winning, it does make things a little bit interesting. I'm just, you know, in this fight, isolated is really good, but I, I hope we see it run one more time. And and so let, let's go there. So there's three options for Stipe that are being 
discussed and, and bantied about um, on social media and among uh, in the MMA space uh, more broadly. A trilogy. Which- With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Which is what you just uh, mentioned, which would absolutely make sense. I mean, Cormier won definitively in the second time. Um, yes, Stipe won definitively. In, excuse me, Cormier won the first time. That didn't sound right. The second time, Stipe won. Yes, definitively, but a very, very competitive fight. Not, not no one blowing anybody out of the water. I and it's the only loss that that Cormier's ever had in the heavyweight division. A third fight would absolutely make sense. So you've got that option. You got the Francis Ngannou option, who is you know the logical number one contender. The only thing I think detracting from that, of course, is Stipe already has faced Ngannou and handled him uh, pretty well at the beginning of the year last year. And then the third option, the wild card option, that has been floated out there um, with you know some people with some high level knowledge. Not saying it's going to happen, but something that could absolutely happen. Uh, we could get another super fight between the light heavyweight champion and the heavyweight champion. If someone like John Jones were to go up and face Steepy, Steepy, Steepy in a, uh, in a super fight, Rick, you seem to be favoring the trilogy, but what's your thoughts on the future for Steepy? I think that Steepy, like you said, has a lot of options in front of him, but I hope that they do DC Steepy three. It's more in DC's court at this point. I think Steepy would grant Daniel Cormier the rematch if he requested it. I mean, DC did it for him and who doesn't like a third fight? I, like you said, the Ngano fight isn't as interesting to me because we did see that fight already and it was kind of a first round was exciting, but then the rest of the four rounds were pretty much a domination. And so the only thing that could be a new narrative is did Francis Ngano learn from his mistakes? Can he capitalize and make that first round last a little longer, get the finish in there? I don't know, you know, it's just, it's hard to say because Stipe, he proved a, he's still got quite the chin in this fight. And as far as John Jones goes, yeah, he could, he could get involved somehow. But I really, if, if I could map this out like Big Sick Man, I would do the, the third fight. And then if DC wins or loses, his last fight will be against John Jones if he still has two left in him at that. We don't even know if he has one left in him. This is really in Daniel Cormier's court. Even as the person who lost the fight, he still has most of the cards in his hand. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting place to be in that you lose the fight, but you kind of control the future, possibly of two divisions and, and how they're going to be settled in the next year or so. What's your what's your sense on DC? Do you think he's he's hanging it up or is is he going to continue to fight? Yeah, I don't know. He's he's pretty emotional towards the end of that fight. And I, I haven't got to see his post-fight interview yet, but... I don't think he should make any decision for a while. You know, he he is an emotional guy and he takes this very seriously. I just, I don't know DC, but if I, I, I'd like to guess that he doesn't want to end his career on this note. You know, if he, he's going to end his career, I think he wants to do it on a win or just on the comeback story. So I think he's, I'm hoping he has one more fight in him, but like he said, he's not getting any younger. I don't see him, if he fights again, fighting this year. What about you, Robert? Uh, no. I mean, that doesn't mean he can't fight early, er, very early into next year. But, yeah, he's probably he's probably done for the year. Again, he's he's in his 40s, and he said as much last night. You know, it's it's harder and harder to just to, to get to, to fight night. Still looks very good as a fighter. I mean, and looked yeah. very good within this fight. So he's definitely, I think, has something left in the tank. But, you know, we can't talk about heavyweight on MMA talk for pro wrestling fans uh, without talking about the, uh, the vanilla gorilla in the room. Hmm. 
any chance his retirement fight actually becomes that Brock Lesnar fight that this was kind of intended to be all along. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't even with a loss, that fight is still really interesting. So we'll see what ends up happening with Brock Lesnar. But if DC just holds out for that one big money fight, you make that the main event, no title of a pay-per-view and we'll all tune in and watch it. I'm still interested in that. I just don't know if I'm interested in, I mean, I'll always be interested in a third fight with John Jones, but at his age going down, people commented that he only weighed in like around the 230 scale. So maybe he could just lose the extra pounds and make 205 and fight John Jones again. But I mean, if there's any chance of a Brock Lesnar fight, that's where I want to see DC go. Then Miocic can figure out his own path. Right. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I still think that's a massive fight they can do. And it, and it maybe even makes more sense now than it did a year ago because now yeah. Brock Lesnar's not line jumping. He's not messing over, you know, Nganu or Curtis Blades or, or whoever it would be that was probably more earning of the title shot and they could still get that payday out of there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of hurdles to pass, obviously, um, to get there for this is more, this is much more of just kind of podcast talk and what we do. But I, I gotta say though, for the first time, I think in a long time, heavyweight is super interesting right now with a ton of options. And it's been almost like five or so years since I think we could truly say that. Right. It's been since basically the Cain Velasquez era, since it's been this hot and exciting between him and junior dos Santos. And then Kane just defending it amongst other guys. I think, you know, Mark Hunt on his resurgence. Yeah. It's exciting time right now, which is good. I think it's always good for the UFC when, uh, when heavyweight is in such a, uh, such a prominent position like that. There's been a lot of talk too with Stipe, with his legacy, this big legacy fight uh, for him. You know, he already had the record for the three consecutive title defenses. Now he's got, you know, four total wins in, uh, or actually five. It would be five total wins in heavyweight championship bouts in the UFC. Tons of debate this morning, though, about his status as the greatest heavyweight ever. We know how Joe Rogan and those guys like to do it on UFC broadcasts. You know, every week is the biggest fight in UFC history. I mean, Joe Rogan went to the Tony Schiavone school of uh, hyperbole. It, it very much seems like, but I think there's an interesting conversation with Stipe, but it, but it's really hard to categorize him. Um, I think last night for a lot of people, maybe put him past Velasquez, uh, pretty, pretty head and shoulders above Kane, but you know, there's still the, the Fedor thing hanging out there if you're going to rank him. And it's just, it's impossible, I think, to really ever compare Fedor's run. Out, you know, wholly outside of the UFC to anybody within the UFC, even if there were better heavyweights in Japan at the time. Where, where are you on all this legacy talk? Or is it just something that that's uh, we shouldn't really mess around with? I think we can leave it alone for a little bit. My three-day rule applies also to Stipe Miocic. It's you know his legacy. I, I, we'll see what his next title defense is and who he defends it against, and if he can get another string of victories together. As far as per- comparing him to Fedor, it's not really a fair comparison. Like, Pride is not the UFC. The UFC was not Pride. Pride was its own beast. And it's a different era. And I think if you want to say he's one of the best heavyweights in UFC history, I'm all for that. You know, you mentioned comparing him to Kane, and Kane is regarded as one of the best in UFC history. So, sure, let's, let's use that as a comparison. But to compare him to Fedor, it's really not fair. In my opinion. Right. And, and Steve, I think undoubtedly, maybe before this fight, is he's the most decorated heavyweight, obviously, in, sure. in UFC history. But yeah, it's just, you can't, it's like, you know, sometimes you can compare eras and, and that's problematic on its own, you know, it, in any sport. Joe Montana and Tom Brady are operating on, yes, they're, they both played football, but, and they both play the same position in football, but they're operating in completely different worlds in many, many ways within the context of their sport. And I think that's really true in, in something like, like MMA. So it's, it's just impossible to really figure out well, what that is. Um, but I think certainly, certainly in UFC canon, the UFC lore, Stipe is the guy. Still not a great star, though. Still not somebody I, I think you can make some attempts to, to build around him, and they have. And he doesn't really catch on. I mean, he's a super... I think his life is pretty interesting, but him as a personality is super uninteresting. And he doesn't seem to to be willing to to go that extra mile. And it's not even about being like a McGregor style and being overly bombastic or a Kobe Covington or anything like that. It's more just about uh, people being attracted to you. And I just think Stipe does not have that in him. No, he does not care. And 
it's too bad that UC should try to figure out a way to get some really good PR guys in there and figure out a way to advertise the everyman. You know, he's fireman, family man now. Can't understand him talk half the time. Yeah, it's just like, my God. And so figure out a way to capitalize on that, and we've got gold. Who knows? Maybe he's just this, you know, this personality just waiting to explode. And that might never happen with him. And, you know, Anderson Silva couldn't really speak very much English and personality wise who really knows who he is he just kind of always comes off like he's smiling and but he's ultra serious inside the octagon but yeah he's regarded as one of the best MMA fighters of all time so maybe Stipe just needs to be around for a lot longer then he'll start to get that allure maybe and we've seen it even now with I think someone like Amanda Nunez is is kind of reaching that level where she's had right. all these issues, maybe with marketability in the past. Um, but there just be, there just becomes a point where you can't deny how good someone is, and that yeah. becomes their their star power. And um, we'll see how that that ends up uh, benefiting Stipe going forward. All right, guys, Harry's is back as a sponsor of the program. I use their razor. It is something I have touted in the past. Uh, I just love the fit and feel of of the handle. Of the razor, uh, I love the blade. I love its performance. It looks good. It's a classy way to start your morning. So join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer right now by going to Harry's.com/dailycast. That's Harry's.com/dailycast to get this special offer. When you go there, you can claim your free trial set. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. So if you're traveling this summer, don't go down to the hotel desk and ask for that cheap disposable razor that's going to irritate your skin and irritate your vacation. Bring Harry's with you wherever you go. Harry's founders were two regular guys who just got tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced gimmicks like vibrating head, heated blades, handles that look like a prop in a sci-fi movie. Those are just some of the tactics that the leading brand has used to overcharge us for years. Harry's makes high-quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. To keep prices low, they cut out the middleman, and they direct sell to you through podcasts like this. They own a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making some of the best blades in the world for 99 years. And now they can provide great quality at factory direct prices, 100% guaranteed. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. But right now, go to harrys.com slash dailycast and claim your trial set. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash dailycast to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support our shows. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But speaking of star power, let's talk about what we're really, really, really here to talk about. The co-main event. Rick, are you happy to live in a world again where Nate Diaz is a thing in mixed martial arts? No, it's a good era to be in right now. It's it's a much more exciting prospect with Diaz winning than it was with Pettis winning. I thought Pettis was going to win. I was wrong on just about every, yeah, all three of the top fights I was wrong on. But I'm happy I was wrong on these fights. It ended up being better. And for Diaz to come out with a win, and yes, call out Jorge Masvidal, like I guessed last week. I was pretty happy with that. Yes. All all of those things are positive. I forgot how fun the Diaz experience is because mm-hmm. it's been, it's, we've been gone from it so long. And the, the more, I guess, corporatized Diaz, I don't know if you would even, you would never consider him that, but just being 
like the millionaire who has his own leverage is not it's fun to a point but not as fun but him last night saying he didn't know what division colby covington was in or who that guy was um was mm-hmm. hilarious saying he didn't fight three for three years because there was nobody up to his level of competition that the ufc could put him with i mean that's just that's great Classic. stuff it's great stuff um from nate nate is a one-of-a-kind personality and a pretty dang good fighter Look, we broke down his record on the show I did on Thursday with Mike Hisco when we went back and watched his his classic fight with Cowboy Cerrone. Mirrored this fight in actually some ways, I would say. Diaz has had a, a trouble sustaining long bouts of victories, you know, of just railing off a whole bunch of wins in a row. He's an elite level fighter. And it was weird because there was this, like this backlash current to him this week saying, oh, he's overrated. He just got the rub off the Connor fight, this and that. And it's like, come on, guys, what the heck are you watching? And... uh and he proved it. It was a classic Nate Diaz performance. He dominated on the ground. He had the volume of punches. Anthony Pettis didn't look awful, but he was uh, clearly outclassed in this one by Nate Diaz. And Nate, once again, after three years, you know, back in 2017, maybe, I wrote a column talking about the Nate Diaz bubble and can he capitalize on it? And I thought maybe it had burst. Well, he's he's right back. He can do basically whatever he wants. It's it's kind of similar to what we're talking about, steep it, but w- with a much higher ceiling. Yeah, he can he can grab he can grab the Connor fight. I think that's very much a fight that both men have expressed interest in in taking. So that's on the table. And then the Masvidal fight, and it's kind of the perfect opponent for Masvidal because, as has been pointed out, despite the fact that Masvidal getting a title shot would be pretty awesome, maybe not necessarily deserving of it. And so you might as well just put him in there with Diaz. Masvidal seemed to be uh, to be in on the idea last night. Uh, two guys with a ton of buzz. And again, there's there is a main event. There's a non-title main event. I mean, I, I'm sure they would they would put it on a a pay-per-view card with a title match on it. Maybe a weaker title match, or or you, you never know how they're going to do it. But there's another non-title pay-per-view main event that the UFC basically created last night. Yeah, and this this is the perfect fight to main event a pay-per-view and. Don't need an interim title or anything like that. Interim titles are supposed to add validity to a fight to make it a main event, to kind of promote it. This one doesn't need that. You could put this on the Madison Square Garden card as the main event, and it would get droves of people watching. Like, do not mess this up, the UFC. Do not make this a three-round fight. And it should be the main event of pay-per-view because these guys want to get paid. And you don't get paid as well when you're on the main event of ESPN card, typically. This definitely could be the Madison Square Garden main event, and I would be all for that. This is the most street cred, you know, sort of main event fight the UC could possibly be put on. And it would be exciting and entertaining. The The promotion would be hilarious. I mean, Mazadal's got all these highlight reel knockouts now, and, you know, it's, it's Nate Diaz is just awesome. So let's do it. Unless that the UFC messes this up in negotiations, there's just no reason not to do this. Uh, again, unless, unless you know, Con- Connor kind of comes down from the mountain and they make the the Nate fight, then okay, that that's probably um, a, a little bit bigger of a fight, and you can't blame anybody for taking that one. But I think this one's much more realistic and much more likely to happen. And there's there's no reason for it to not happen. And hey, it can even be a title eliminator. Um, and uh, and we can really test out Nate's drawing power, uh, and and Masvidal's. We still don't know. Everyone's you know Masvidal's the the flavor of the summer, so to speak, right now in MMA. I don't. I'm not saying that disparagingly. I'm saying that he just got on everybody's radar um, a couple of weeks ago, and we can really see how big of a star are these guys. You know how how big can they benefit off of just really a couple of fights after being around for years and years as you know guys near the top but have never really broken through. This is definitely a big shot for them to break through. And, and I thought it was kind of interesting, even as a contrast last night, thinking about welterweight. Something I said on the solo show a couple of weeks ago. We still don't know Colby Covington's power as a draw. Obviously, they hated him in that building last night, but I mean, they booed Henry Segudo. And we're not going to sit here and say Henry Segudo is this massive, massive star. And 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 again, and, and his card, Colby Covington's card, didn't do too well. I know there was other extenuating circumstances, be that as it may... W- I, my my thing about it was he did nothing to go viral with his fight. Yeah, he fought a great fight um, a, a against Robbie Lawler, 
but he's not. I don't consider him a hot name in MMA the way that Nate Diaz uh, made himself last night, piggybacking off his success from 2016. The way that Jorge Masvidal did when he took Ben Askren's head off with that knee. So this is definitely surging momentum's and something I think we all want to see. Anything to add to that before we move on to the next fight, Rick? It was a good fight, you know him and Pettis. I thought that it was an interesting strategy from Nate Diaz to start off fast and strong and able to get Pettis to the ground and it was just really entertaining and there was there's a lot of tension in the air with every strike every punch you know people were on the edge of their seats where I was watching it and I think it definitely lived up to the hype and it didn't need a finish this is one of those fights that yeah I went to decision like almost every other fight on this fight card but this was clearly a different kind of fight and this could have gone five rounds and people would have just been in, as interested you know and I think that the UFC I really hope they capitalize on the momentum. Don't worry about Conor McGregor. Don't worry about either of these guys getting the title fight because the Conor McGregor thing will take, in my opinion, forever to get together. And they can always have that third fight with him and Nate Diaz. It's in there. It's their big super fight. Take advantage of Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz right now. It's kind of you got to just strike while the iron's hot, like you said, and just make it happen. It's something nobody would have guessed we would all be asking for like two months ago, but now we are, we want to see it and we want to see it this year if possible. Yeah. And one last comment on this, you mentioned about the five rounds. I think that's a very interesting point because if this thing went five rounds, I, I think it would be remembered as one of the classic fights in the, in the UFC. Like this was a good fight, but I would dare say two years from now, you know, you're going to, we're not going to necessarily remember this or be talking about it. Had this thing last night have gone five rounds, I think I think it could have been one of the one of the historic fights in the UFC. It was that interesting, uh, m- more so than even exciting as a fight, you know. N- n- you know, and it was exciting, but it was just so interesting. There's just nothing else in the UFC that quite looks like what Nate Diaz looks like in the in the cage, and we just you've almost forgotten what he can do because it's been so long since we saw. Right. Him. Okay, let's move on to the the fight of the really jacked up dudes over here. At middleweight, Paulo Costa getting a unanimous decision victory over Yoel Romero with some 29-28 across the board. Very, very entertaining fight. Specifically, the first round was super entertaining where both guys got dropped on multiple occasions. This was a lot of power within this octagon. The crowd, though, at the Honda Center booed the decision. They really felt like Yoel uh, Romero should have got the victory here. Be that as it may, Paulo Costa gets the victory and is in real good position in the middleweight division uh, for a title shot in the not too distant future. Rick, your assessment of all of this. It was a good fight. It was a weird fight. Yol Romero's taken over the Anderson Silva title of always having something weird happen in his fights where Silva, ever since he lost his title, you know, he broke his leg. He thought he knocked out Michael Bisbing. He really didn't beat Derek Brunson. Just weird things always happen. Now Yol Romero, you know, ice gate, he pretended to get kneed in the groin on this fight, or if he did, it looked like it was kind of a knee to the stomach. He played, pre- he was like pretending he was tired, sticking out his tongue, <laughs> but was he really tired? I don't know. I in I think that's I, a lot of people think that was a strategy. What do you think that you know he was kind of baiting Paula Costa in there by like a, acting exhausted? I think it was a mixture of acting, but also very exhausted, and I think it cost him the fight because he looked exhausted in the judges' eyes. Even though he was getting a lot of the offense in there, and Paulo Costa was throwing punches that weren't necessarily connecting, but at least he was more active and a little less tired looking. I've- Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I thought, I thought Costa did enough to win the fight, but this morning I watched it again because I was trying to see, like, I was missing out on something. And I still thought he 
probably won the fight, but talk about an all time difficult one to judge. This one would have mm-hmm. been. And, and again, and, and we don't know because you can't get inside the brain of a judge. How much do these, these nonverbal communication behaviors, uh, factor into a decision where the guy looking gassed and, and him falling. And like you said, on ice skates, like he just cannot gain footing. It looked like he was, he was weightless in this fight. It was a really weird sight from really weird from UL Romero, who's somehow lost three, three of his last four, but I don't think has lost much standing uh, within the mm-hmm. UFC or among, uh, among viewers. He's still basically, I think viewed as very dangerous. I think the chin of Paulo Costa you know, much like Robert Whitaker, just, you know, the few guys that can actually take the punishment that Romero is uh, is dishing out and, and give plenty of it back in, in his place. Where do you think the ceiling is now for, for Costa after this massive win? Well, I think he needs to take some time off. You know, he was wheelchaired out of the, the venue. So that that alone just shows you kind of like he needs to just relax and figure it out. He wants to be there to watch the Whitaker Adesanya the airbender fight. And I don't think he'll be able to be a, uh, Israel to son fight. I don't think he'll be able to be a last second replacement or anything like that. But yeah, I, he definitely got his name up there. And for, as far as title contention goes, middleweight is stacked to some extent, but middleweight also, it's like, you Romero is number two, Kevin Gaslam is number three, you know, neither of those guys are going to get the title shot. Then you got Jack Hermanson at number four. And, Ronaldo Souza at number five, Chris Weidman at six. Chris Weidman's not even really part of the middleweight division anymore. And UFC has Paula Costa at seven. So I think Paula Costa can go from number seven to right up there in the top three for, with this victory. So he just needs to get healthy and just stick around for the winner of Whitaker and Israel Adesanya. And I, I think they could plug it right in there. If Adesanya and Whitaker have a rematch or something like that, yeah, he'll have to stay busy. But otherwise, I mean, Especially a fight with him and Israel as Asanya would be very, very interesting. Oh, that would be that would be something else. And like you said, middleweight is stacked, but also sorted out at the moment. Like a lot of right. a lot of these things have taken place. Really, all that's left is the big fight coming up with Adesanya and Whitaker. I have fears that that fight's not going to happen. Of course, because so, Robert Whitaker always yeah, something weird happens with his too. Yeah, he's he's on that list of of weird stuff happening and, and what a, what a buzzkill with as big as that card's going to be locally over there at the, at the Marvel stadium in Melbourne, Australia, what a buzzkill if one of those guys isn't on it. So, you know, I, I wonder like is Gastelum who the speculation was last night, he's going to get booked against Dar- Darren Till at the MSG card. So, you know, d- d- does he make the trip and, and weigh in? I, I got to believe one of these guys, there's a high profile middleweight, that's going to, it's going to officially weigh in on that card. And and I, I agree with you though, too. I mean, it's happening in October. That's after a fight with you, all Romero, you're not fighting in August then fighting yeah. in October again. I mean, yeah. l- look at Robert Whitaker. Those two fights took two years out of his career and he won the dang things. So, uh, I, I, uh, I, I'm pretty much in agreement with you there. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, that Jack Ray Sosa is trying to get, make weight and get ready to be the replacement or something like that. So, We'll see. But, you know, Costa put himself in a good spot regardless with a win like that. And it was an entertaining fight. The fans were cheering, and we pretty much got what we paid for. I was just happy they both were in the octagon. I was. That was another one that all week I had my, I had my doubts that this whole was going to go down. Yeah, not for sure. Let's move on from there. A fourth fight from the top. The other, the, uh, the, it's only the second finish of the night. Sadiq Youssef takes out Gabriel... Benitez TKO to punches 414 to the first. What a tale of two different fights within one round because Benitez right. had him uh, dead to rights a couple of times, but Yusef rebounded. Yusef seems like he, he's got something. He's got something that the UFC likes. He's got an amazing personal story that you could, uh, you could definitely put on a, in a main event or co-main event, one of those really long fe- uh, features. I think the future is really bright for Yusef at this point. Anything to add to that, Rick? It was, it was a nice spark of energy for the crowd, both in the arena and those of us watching at home, just to get that, that KO in round one. We're like, okay, here we go. Fight night started. And that was preceded by the pay-per-view opener, Derek Brunson defeating Ian Heinish by unanimous decision, some 29-28s over there. I thought Brunson looked really, really good in this fight. The fight wasn't the most entertaining in the world. It wasn't necessarily boring. I just think the weight of the night and there being so many decisions kind of hurt this one a little bit because right. you, you were just ready for some action to, to really get going. But, but I thought Brunson looked amazing in this fight. 
I mean, he looked good, especially for a guy who got kicked really hard in the head. You know, he was able to recover from that and put on the pressure. And Heinich was was game. He was uh, the worst kind of opponent for anyone where he just would not stop coming at you. He's like the Terminator. You just keep hitting with shots and it just bounces off of him. And they both were exhausted by the third round, but they made it happen. And it was a good fight. Yeah, but like you said, it was just kind of the momentum of the fight card as a whole that worked against it a little bit. Speaking of the Terminator, did did you have fun seeing Arnold in the crowd? Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it was, I was playing like uh, I was playing spot the celebrity through most of the cards. I I kept I kept finding Liddell. There were like three Randy Orton looking figures around each corner of the octagon, which I don't yeah. understand uh, who those guys were. We we had Shaq at one point uh, showing up on camera, and then you had the drive by with everybody. And as we mentioned, and I uh, believe it was during this fight is when Kobe Covington came into the building, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he just got booed to death. Massively, uh, massively booed on this thing. Let's move on to the prelim section. Aired on ESPN. And it, it took to the main event of the prelim section to get a finish on this card. But Kama Worthy, massive underdog to Devontae Smith, gets the TKO at 415 in the first round. Another kind of like amazing story where the, their former training partners, and again, he gets the call on Sunday. Oh, so when we recorded this show last week, he was just figuring out that he's going to fight Devontae Smith on the, the main event of an ESPN portion, and he gets a TKO. This brought energy to the to the crowd after after such a dull night. What would you make of this? Yeah, it was a good fight, good finish. Uh, it definitely was the right kind of card, right kind of fight, sorry, at the end of this card to lead into the pay-per-view because... Before that, it was just nothing but decisions. So it was, and you could kind of tell in the first couple, like ten or fifteen seconds, oh, something's going to happen here. Yeah, it was. Th- these guys were were going to maximize the exposure that maybe they didn't really deserve, but they were going to make sure they got yeah. the most out of it. Daily Cast listeners, thank you first of all for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also every Saturday we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Corey Sanhagen getting a, a unanimous decision over Rafael Asuncio. Uh, not the most exciting fight, I think, as we had predicted. Yeah. And there's a reason this isn't the main event of the prelims. And there's a reason that even though Rafael Asuncio is one of the most top ranked fighters in the bantamweight division, the USC just struggles to get behind him. And I bet they kind of breathe the sigh of relief with the result of this fight because like you said last week, his time has kind of passed. And I hate to say it, he seems like a really good fighter, but it's just he doesn't spark a lot of interest. No, and uh, and it's unfortunate because, like you said, and he's he's in that he's in that weird zone where you're re- he's like kind of like Damian Maya, I guess, in that way where you're you're so you're really good, so you're going to stay at the top of your division, but you're never going to really get the big opportunity either, and they're always right. going to put like the San Hagans against you to 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 knock you off, and it's going to happen occasionally. A really good fight before that between Jakar Close and Christos Gaigos. Really, really fun fight. Another fight where both guys look like they had the fight won at, at different points. I, I think it's time for for Close to, to get on a run and really become somebody within the UFC. What do you think of this one? Yeah, it was a good fight, and he's in the right division to start doing that. So he just needs to keep 
racking them together, the wins. That was preceded by uh, Casey Kenny defeating Manny Bermudez, which I think was a uh, kind of came out of nowhere, and I was really disappointed in how this how this fight played out. I mean, Kenny did what he had to to win, but you really thought Bermudez was going to get the big submission, and it and it never really panned out. Yeah, and this one also, I hate to say, it, as soon as these guys came out and it started the prelims, this my attention was not on this fight, and I kept trying to plug into it, but I think I was distracted by the atmosphere I was in, but. This was a tough one to start the prelims with. This is the one when you're having the party that all of a sudden you've been talk you talk politics for like 20 minutes and then right. they read the decision. Like that's exactly uh, where this fight was at. On the uh, the fight pass or ESPN Plus portion, Hannah Cyphers defeating Jody Esquivel in this fight was this fight was bad. This was god awful, yeah. and then Cyphers blew her post fight interview uh, <laughs> right after the fact. It's snoozer. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Kung Ho Kong defeating. Brandon Davis, another fight, got a split decision victory for Kong, but another one I thought was just uh, underwhelming. Yeah, another one that they were pretty thankful was on the ESPN Plus portion. I did think Sabina Mazo looked very good against uh, Shayna Dobson in the opener. She gets, well, the unanimous decision. And li- listen to these scorecards. She gets a 30-24 and two 30-25. So it doesn't get any Jeez. more definitive than that for the, the very, very young Mazo. Yeah, poor Shayna Dobson. This could be it already yeah i I've, like i was talking with with mike on the on the uh the betting podcast we did before this card i i feel, feel like i've i i think more highly of of dobson than what the reality actually is right and that's uh that's unfortunate but we talked about this last week that the prelim section wasn't good because everything was stuck on the pay-per-view which if you have to if you have to choose one or the other to spread out the fights throughout the card or to have them all culminate at the end. I think, you know, I'd rather get all the better fights on the thing I'm going to pay 70 bucks for. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And so I kind of, I'm, I'm happy with how everything turned out. Like it was a stacked top heavy. It was a heavy, uh, at the top pay-per-view and that's fine, you know, and everybody who paid to watch those fights got what they paid for. And I got a poster. So I'm happy as can be. Did you legally obtain the poster or did you just take it? I took it from the bar. Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah. I've got your phone number. So if the, if the bar wants yeah. to know where you reside, they can. I always ask permission because it takes forever to get those posters down because you want to be careful and they always put it up with hard tape. So you're just standing there taking it for about 30 seconds. <laughs> and it, it, usually a waitress will go up to you and just go, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, I got permission. Uh, but it was a cool poster, man, and it was a cool event, and I had a great time watching it. And as far as fights, fight nights go, you know, had a lot of decisions on it, but they were exciting and had a lot of possible implications out there that made it a fun talking point. Storylines abound, and that's, that's yeah. always good to come out of a card where both storylines and uh, and the and the fights delivered. We did get an email from Brian Bruce that I forgot to read while we were breaking this down, but we do want to acknowledge Brian sending us the email stating the main card was amazing. Do you think they will run Miocic and Cormier again? Uh, we addressed that earlier, but I think our, our general consensus, we didn't address it quite directly though, is that's the most likely scenario. Yeah. I that, think that's so where too. you're at as well. Thanks for the email, Brian. Um, and I know you sent one last week, Brian, and I totally got lost in the, in the, in the thick of things, uh, but just know that I did read everything that, that you uh, you sent to me. So thanks for sending that in. As always, good friend of the show, Brian Bruce. And that email address he sent that to was MMA Livecast at Gmail dot com. Rick, what are you what are you going to do this weekend without any UFC to watch? I know it's crazy. We have a free weekend. I don't even know what do normal people do when they're not watching MMA during the weekend. Spend time with family and friends. God. That's gonna be rough. Well, and then the the toll that MMA takes on having family and friends, you have one weekend to to repair it, which is exactly. Which I'm gonna take full advantage of that. <laughs> Isn't great. Yeah, that's a, we do have a weekend off. We do have a Bellator card though coming up, so it's, we're not completely barren of MMA. Bellator two twenty five coming at you uh, from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, it's a a Paramount DAZN collab, so you don't even have to have DAZN. To, to watch this thing. We'll just quickly run by what's on the card. You got heavyweight bout Matt Mitrione versus uh, Sergei Kuraitonov. Vitaly Murkinov against Javier Ayala. It's a little heavyweight dance there. 
Other than that, you got a David Rickles fight. You got a Nick Newell fight, and that's really the story of this card. Nick Newell fighting on the prelim portion of the card. Of course, Nick Newell, the fighter who only has uh, the use of one of his arms, recently on Dana White's Contender Series, didn't get the victory, and that seemed like maybe his last shot to try to get into the UFC, but then Bellator did did end up signing him. So th- this is, you know, he's on the it's on the prelim portion of a Bellator card, but this is... A big showcase for him. He's in a major MMA promotion once again. And uh, and I think he's got a lot to prove here against Corey Browning, who I know nothing about. What's a, is, is that going to kind of pique your interest, Rick? I know you're you're a, a longstanding Nick Newell uh, viewer. Are you going to tune in to watch Nick Newell fight on this Bellator? Yeah, program? I hope he wins. I think he's got a good personality, and I think that it's unfortunate that he never got to make it into the UFC. I hope that he maybe his home will be here in Bellator and he'll get on the main card and you know, has some success. I definitely think they are pitting him against someone who he could beat. This guy's three and two. Yeah. And it's the thing with him is I don't know if he necessarily, well, deserves is kind of funky because he's won a lot of his fights on the circuit. So that was, you know, a lot of guys with lesser resumes deserve. And I understand the trepidation of the UFC to, to bring him in considering the level of UFC fighters. So I don't know if he deserves to be in the UFC, but I think it's, he deserves his story and what his career is deserves to be showcased. And maybe mm-hmm. Bellator is the, is the, the Avenue, the medium that that actually happens. Yeah. No, I think I'm excited to see it. Thanks. I didn't even realize that was happening. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of buried. Bellator does that sometimes though. They, they bury, uh, random stuff on their, their prelims on, you know, on the Bellator app that just happens. And, you know, we had all those prospects a couple of, of months ago, the Aaron Picos of the world and such, that we're all on the app, which uh, the good thing about that, though, is most of those fights are repurposed on YouTube by Bellator shortly thereafter. Right. So, so you don't even need to really investigate that hard. No, no, that's it's a uh, it's fairly easy. We're about to go to another commercial break. Why are you listening to commercial breaks? Why deal with these interruptions when you can become a VIP member, support the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, the PW Torch Daily Casts, and the entire team and everything that we do, and get a ton in return for your membership by becoming a VIP member. Go to pwtorchvipinfo.com for full details, 30 plus years of archives of podcasts, retro radio shows, over 1,600 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, a fascinating march through our coverage of wrestling history, and so much more, including... Ad-free versions of the Wade Keller podcast, Wade Keller post shows, and PW Torch daily casts, and several exclusive VIP podcasts just about every day. Dozens of VIP exclusive podcasts that you're not hearing because you're not a VIP member. So go VIP, pwtorchvipinfo.com. Subscribe to our VIP podcast feed and listen in a streamlined way with no interruptions to all of our podcasts. Again, that's pwtorchvipinfo.com. What do you think of uh, your girl, Jermaine Durandame, getting the title shot against Amanda Nunez coming up? Yeah, that's uh, something I'm not excited about. But what do you think about that? I mean, what else are they going to do? Yeah, well, with the cyborg situation, it kind of yeah. forced a defense at bantamweight right now for, for Amanda Nunez. Even though she still hasn't defended the featherweight title. And Durandame, it was the top contender. So, you know, you you're, you were kind of left with no choice. Ugh. Um, at the UFC interested to see though, because the, according to the report yesterday by Brett Akamoto of ESPN, they didn't designate a status for that fight. Meaning there could be another main event on top of it. I think Nunez is emerging as a star. And as I said, I think you could do Nunez and cyborg as a standalone headliner on a pay-per-view card. You probably going to need a little bit of help on this one. Uh, you, probably, yeah. you might need either uh, a co-main event. That's really the, the fight everyone's buying or, a really strong title fight on top of it. Oh, if if this is the main event and Masvidal Diaz is the co-main, I will riot. Like, I will have a personal riot. Like, this needs to be the co-main event, like you said, of a better fight on top. Because we all remember what happened with Geranamine main evented against Holly Holm. And Amanda and Nunez is not Holly Holm, but still, it's... It's not a good memory, so please, please, please make this just a co-feature. Do you re- do you recall their first fight back in 2013? When it said rematch, I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah, they it was one of those uh, fight for the troops shows. Oh, okay. They did, and and Nunez took her apart in like 
30 seconds. <laughs> Good. Hopefully it happens again. Little elbows. I, I, I see Duranda May, though, as much bigger than Nunez, but I, I don't know if that's actually the case. Doesn't she seem... She seems, yeah, she has, like, taller, lankier. Yeah. Yeah, so the narrative's going to flip. W- w- regardless, I I could see, you know, Nunez smoking her in, in two minutes the way she does to a lot of people. But everybody's going to turn on Nunez uh, because of Durandami here, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> like, I, I could see that coming from a mile away oh. on this thing. And if Durandami wins, oh, <laughs> no. How about that for Nunez? You know, she's she's been Shevchenko and Holly Holm and Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey and Chris Cyborg, but her run ends by Jermaine yeah. Durandami. She loses to the freaking Iron Lady. <laughs> uh, what, what, what an epitaph on uh, on her career. But we got a ton of time to talk about that. Let's close out here with some wrestling talk that I didn't think we'd be talking about necessarily. Last week, if you listened to the wrestling portion with myself and... Uh, the other guy, as Rick referred to him as Ooh. in the pre-production meeting. We discussed the possibility of NXT going on FS1 on Wednesday night to counter-program against AEW show. Well, according to a lot of reports coming out in the last couple of hours, last 48 hours, and some credible reports some stuff, you know, PW Insider and the, the big boys weighing in on it, it looks like it's not going to be FS1, but in fact, it'll be USA. NXT going to two hours on USA. And I think the report, again and I don't have it pulled up, I should have, by PW Insider noted that they're going to stick to a similar taping schedule, though, as they do now, where the first one will be live, and then the next uh, few will be in the can. So they'll have, they'll be live, like, once every four episodes, whereas the AEW show is going live every week. Rick, what are your thoughts on the impending Wednesday Night Wrestling War? I think it's going to be exciting, and there's no reason for... WWE not to do this, uh, they'll get more exposure being on USA, obviously, than just being on the WWE Network. Now, having the WWE Network, besides watching live pay-per-views, is really, that's it for that thing, or watching their archives, because NXT being on the network was a big, big source of, I guess, revenue, or just, that's a big reason why a lot of people are just watching it week to week. So now it's on USA. There's a little bit of that, but... I think it's probably going to be more of a advertisement revenue for uh, WWE. They're going to extend this program to a two-hour show, so I don't know how that'll affect it. Hopefully, though, and I heard you and Zach talking about this beforehand. This officially makes NXT a third brand that's being untouched by Raw and SmackDown. And if that happens, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm leaning more towards it being a better thing because the feeder system just was not working. Like when people are getting the call up for the main roster, it seemed more like a funeral as opposed to like a celebration lately. Every time someone goes up there, they like ricochet to a certain extent and all these other guys, nothing's really been happening with them. You know, like you said, Shinsuke Nakamura is the prime example of how not to promote someone in the main roster. So now that they got these, they got this program on USA and then these got these established talents, maybe they can, make more money since they're now getting ad revenue and stuff like that and just kind of stay there and actually be competition to AEW. And hopefully AEW sees this as a reason to come up with creative ways to be a better program. Yeah, there's reasons to be optimistic, but I think history might lead to some pessimism when you look at this. On the one hand, I think NXT will be better served without the veneer of developmental being on them whatsoever. If for it to, if they could, but they have to stick to it being a different show though, for it, in order for it to still be good and not just be a third extension of the Raw and the SmackDown shows. That's what happened at ECW in, in the 06 era for the relaunch. The first couple mm-hmm. of shows were kind of interesting. They were shot differently. They were shot in different types of arenas, and there was a completely different set of stars on there. As WWE got their hands on it more, it became just a third-rate SmackDown and you know not really worth watching. That's definitely the potential pitfall you have here. Now, of course, you have direct competition here, something you didn't have in that era. So that makes it, that makes it, uh, that makes it different there. They have to commit though, in order for it to be, I think successful for it being aesthetically a very different show. I think that's the whole key, you know, instead of it just being developmental, it's just, it's more like another territory. Like uh, this is the, the NXT style. And I think that's what it has to be. I am very excited though, to see the war, if you will call it with AEW being played out on these terms though, much more so than comparing it to Raw and SmackDown every week. Um, this NXT in general is the best offering that WWE puts out for a first run wrestling product. And it has been 
as our friend Todd Martin noted on the fix this week, you know, at some point we're gonna have to start talking about NXT as a historically great run of shows, the takeovers, you know, one of the great ser- professional wrestling series in history when you have such a high quality on all the shows and the, t- and the takeovers hopefully will still be on the network. And that might be the final hook as you, as, as you alluded to, but who knows, maybe, you know, they'll, they'll be shared on pay-per-view and on the network the way the regular shows are. But I think that distinction is the, is the biggest key to it. And like I said, it's fun to, to contend this, um, instead of it being like Moxley versus Reigns in theory, it's going to be like Moxley versus Adam Cole as the top stars on each right. brand, which is super interesting. I do think they probably should stay away though from, uh, from lending star power to the show to give it a boost. Cause I think there is. Yeah, we don't want to see Reigns on NXT. Right, and it and it could it could juice the ratings, sure, but I think it'll kill the identity of the show. And that's not to say like Roman couldn't hang with a lot of the guys in NXT, but you know those are those are Raw and SmackDown guys. You know NXT guys have a little bit different flavor to them. And if, once that starts happening, again, citing the ECW example, you know Big Show and Batista made their way down to ECW for a couple of nights, and everyone just hated that. And I think. Those pitfalls are there. Think of how much first run wrestling on television though we're going to have come October. Three hours on Monday, a cumulative of four hours on Wednesday, and another two hours on Saturday. Not including the, the network events on the weekends, all the MMA that we subject ourselves to. Uh, social life be damned, I guess, for the next couple of months, right? I know there's so much content; it's ridiculous. And and most of it's pretty good, and that, and I find that unfortunate because there's, there's not a lot of decisions of. Of not watching necessarily. Yeah, and it's almost frustrating because, you know, UFC isn't, like you mentioned, doing anything to help with that. They have an ESPN Plus card. I was just looking at their schedule from this point till end of October. It's insane. So it's just a lot going on. So those of you who are single and uh, absorbing all this, enjoy it while you can. And those of you with families and an actual life, I'm proud of you. I was. I thought you were going to say those of you who are single, uh, prepared to remain that way for the next couple yeah, of years. Yeah, seriously, jeez. <laughs> uh, Rick, if, if we're talking about the marital life of wrestling fans, I think that's a signal that we've uh, we've reached our saturation point of the week. What do you think? I think so. Uh, thanks for having me, Robert. Uh, it was fun talking about such an awesome pay per view, and look forward to next week, my friend. Yeah, this show absolutely uh, breezed by. It's amazing the effect that a uh, quality content can have on uh, on your analysis after the fact. But be sure to uh, to listen to us next week, and be sure to check out the MMA Torch podcast feed. A couple of new shows dropped this week. We had the Throwback Thursday show with myself and Mike Hisco, where we broke down UFC 141. And not only was it a breakdown of UFC 141, I, I would venture to say from an audio perspective, it's one of the more long-form retrospectives on Brock Lesnar's MMA career that you're really going to find, because he was the, kind of the key element there. That show although not really related to pro wrestling, the throwback Thursday show really would fit that whole episode would fit on this show because so many pro wrestling elements involved there with, with Brock Lesnar and you had guys like Nate Diaz and Cowboy Cerrone guys still relevant and and very interesting. The way history has, has played out in the, in the intervening time. We also did a show with Michael Grocky, the MMA and sports betting podcast. Michael Grocky, as you know, does the great columns every week on the, the odds and he's an actual gambler. You know, he's telling you what he's going to play and you can even track his bets. So we went on there and we predicted every fight from USC, uh, 141 241 and we we broke it down from an odds perspective and it's kind of interesting even now that it's over to to go back and listen to what we picked because we were dead right on some stuff and dead wrong on other stuff and that's what makes those shows kind of fun and be sure always to check out mmatorch.com the fight night report from ufc 241 is up right now cole henry did an amazing job on on that thing putting analysis to every fight and some pre-fight facts to set the stage. So if you miss the card or if you just need a refresher on the card, that's a great resource for you to check out and be sure to check out all the other PW torch related properties, PW podcasts, the main PW torch site, and always go VIP tons of great audio analysis behind the VIP section. All this wrestling stuff coming up, the new wrestling war, yeah, perspective from guys like Bruce Mitchell have, who have witnessed several wrestling wars, you know, in the territories and in the Monday night era to provide uh, context. And I just seen on my phone right now, there's a podcast with Bruce Mitchell and Conrad Thompson that I believed they recorded yesterday. So that's something I'll be checking out as soon as I get off this, uh, this podcast of my own right here. But that is going to do it for us this week. So for Rick, I'm Robert. We are done. We are out of here. We will talk to you next week. 
every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit PWTorchDailyCast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, PWTorchDailyCast.com.